Hey, hey, everybody, it's Dana Shea, and you're listening to Real Relationship Talk. Today, we are so blessed to have with us one of our new podcast friends. Her name is Nicole Jacobs-Meyer, and Nicole is a speaker, an author, and a mom, and she is lovely. I loved this conversation that we had today. We talked a lot about joy, and what does it mean to have joy? Because so oftentimes, you all, we go through things in our lives and we get knocked down and it's hard for us to get back up. Maybe in your relationship, you felt like your relationship or your marriage was totally destroyed or you've been knocked down and you're really struggling trying to get back up, getting back in the game of life and going on with what you know that your purpose is. And so Nicole has written a book called Take Back Your Joy. And I love the subtitle. It's Fighting for Purpose When Life is More Than You Can Handle. I don't know about you, but I have been through some seasons in my life where I have felt like it is just too much, you know, hashtag dis too much, right? Like it's just too much, Lord. It's too much. I don't know why you think I can handle this. And as a matter of fact, before the new year, uh, one of my friends sent me a meme and uh, you guys may have seen this meme as well. And it was like, you know, uh, this man on a, a old like rotary phone and it's like waiting on line, waiting in line for heaven to tell the Lord, I'm not one of his strongest warriors, you know? And that's the truth. Like people say these things and, and they mean well, like God only gives his strongest battles to his strongest warriors. And you're like, well, I didn't sign up for the strongest battle line. Okay. And so what does it look like to have joy? What does it look like to have peace? What does it look like to know who and whose you are in the midst of going through really, really traumatic times in your life? So I can't wait to get into this conversation with you guys. Let's welcome to the podcast our new friend, Nicole Jacobsmeyer. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Well, Nicole, it is such a privilege having you here on the podcast today. I'm so excited to get into this conversation with you and just learn more about your story and what God has brought you from and and how you're using that story to, to bless other people. So thanks so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I always just love this, especially meeting you for the first time. This is great. Yeah, awesome. Well, before we started recording, we were just kind of talking a little bit about how I like to just have organic conversations. You know, sometimes I'll get on the podcast and I'm like, this is where we're going. We're going to talk about this. And then like the conversation takes its own own journey. And I just, I love that. So, well, I know that you're a speaker and an author. And I was just joking you a little bit earlier saying you're the bomb.com mom. <laughs> and all the things, homemaker. Tell us a little bit about how you started this whole journey into being a speaker and an author. I think it really started with the first kind of decade of pain and that my pain has been transformed into hopefully God using it for his glory. And, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. I had a wonderful upbringing. And then it wasn't until my late teens and early 20s that I just had a lot of awful things happen to me and surrounding me. And one of those was um, my dad shared that he was living a double life. And so this unfaithfulness and brokenness that entered our family was very devastating. I had an abusive, verbally and mentally abusive volleyball coach 
which was really detrimental to my faith and my character. And then shortly after all of this, I had a horrific experience and was actually raped. And this culmination of pain made me really doubt God's character and really I don't want to be told to consider it joy when trials come my way. And when I read specific scriptures, I it didn't feel true. And so over all these years, then just a few years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. We lost a baby. We moved across the country. I was single parenting. Um, my husband was is in the medical field, and he was just so slammed at work. And I just found myself asking those same questions that I did, you know, 10 years prior. And so this idea of joy and suffering and becoming who God wants me to be really made me understand that it was through the pain that he started to use these different qualities in me now, which, I mean, I wouldn't wish this upon anyone, but I'm very thankful that God is actually doing what he said he will do, which is producing us character and hope and endurance and joy because of the pain that we face, like it says in Romans. So it's been a journey and a it hard has. one. Wow. It's been a journey for you. So let's go back a little bit into your story growing up. You said that your dad was living this, this double life. You're just a kid, you know, probably ob oblivious to all the things that were going on. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you when he came out and said like, you know, hey, like, was it another family did he have or was he just having affairs? Like what was going on in that situation? Yeah, there was um, obviously for privacy concerns, since he's still alive, I have to <laughs> not, not share all the details. And And by the grace of God, you know, he has restored our relationship and him and my mom's marriage is restored. And that wow. was just a very long story that I could, you know, get into because of God's faithfulness and mm. just the miracle of that. Um, but yeah, I, I had these very interesting seasons in my childhood where I thought something was going on, but it was never made into the light. And I knew that God eventually brings and exposes things that are done in the dark into the light and it's going to be exposed someday. But I still think that I was caught off guard and this was in my late teens. And so I think any time that you're, you know, you hear something of, you know, how your Christian quote unquote Christian dad and family is living, it really just puts a wrench in how you view people and that trust becomes broken almost with the Lord because it's broken in like your earthly father. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was very hard for me to get past too. Yeah. You know, I can relate to that in a sense that growing up in a quote Christian home where I saw right. my parents <laughs> in the midst of lots and lots of dysfunction. And because even though we believe in God, like I believed in God as a child, but we can't see God, you know? And so your parents become kind of that, that physical representation of who God right. is to you. And so I can understand like when that is broken, it does break the trust that we have with God. Like if these people that say that they love me unconditionally, who are right here, if they break my trust, then why should I believe that a God who I can't see and who right. I don't really know for sure is there, right. that he won't break my trust? 
That's so, right. yeah. So you go through that and then you had this whole thing with the volleyball coach and this is kind of all happening at the same time. And then tell us a little bit about that assault that you, that you experienced. Were you still in high school? Were you in college? And where was, were you in your faith when that happened? I think I've always, ever since I committed my life to Christ, you know, and said this sinner's prayer, quote unquote, at just such a young age, I think our entire life is growing in a relationship with Christ. And so I didn't experience a lot of hardships growing up. And I, while I would like to say that I had a firm foundation, it wasn't tested, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't tested through the fire to come out more purified. Mm -hmm. And so I was just living in like the head knowledge and truly loving the Lord, truly wanting to read my Bible and do the right thing and surround myself with good people and go to Wednesday night Bible studies and prayer groups. I wanted to do those things, but I don't think that it's like there's a different aspect into your relationship with Christ and trusting him when pain and trials really do come. And so my faith, while I loved him, I just was, it, it still was more of that head knowledge and not really lived out as much as it could have been if I truly walked through things. But once that came, obviously, um, that was in college and it was my senior year of vol I was on the volleyball team. And so it was my senior year of college. I was the captain of my volleyball team and it was just horrific. And so thinking about, okay, Lord, I read throughout the word that you are good and that you are faithful and that I can trust you and that you're my protector so why weren't that, why, why wasn't that true for this circumstance? And so that really made me go deep into the word of trying to figure out what does this mean? Because now I no longer just read scripture and think, pull apart verses and just think, oh yeah, that's true. It's like, I have to know that I know that I know that, you know, God is good and why and looking back and seeing what he's done for me. And really, maybe I missed the point of the entirety of the gospel at that mm. point in my life. Maybe I missed the sacrifice that he has, you know, given us. And I, I maybe overlooked that and forgot about like the depth of that. So it was just, while I would like to say I was very strong in my faith, I think that I was just so broken after that, that it's hard to say exactly where I was. Yeah. So how did you reconcile that whole question? Because that's a real question. Like, God, if you are good, and so many people ask right. this question, right? It's like, God, if you are good, why would you allow this to happen? If your word says, and we can go in scripture and find all these scriptures right. about, you know, him being our hiding place and him being our protector and no evil will come to us and all of that. That's right. Like, God, if your word says all of that, how did you reconcile him allowing this thing to happen to you? Well, shortly after the rape happened, my um, women's director and missions director, they were the same person, and she ended up having me come into her office and asked me to lead the missions trip that following summer. And I told her, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm broken. I'm weak. I don't even know where I'm at with the Lord right now because I was just so, you know, so broken and devastated and traumatized. 
And she said, this is exactly why you should lead and that you really should pray about leading is because you have nothing to offer. And in your weakness, Christ is going to be magnified and his glory is going to be shown. Mm -hmm. And that just really changed the trajectory of my life, I feel like, in that season because she saw me as the Lord does. And it started to, I feel like that was when God started to mend and started to heal and started to pull me out of that dark trench was because he knew I wasn't going to, you know, go to church and sing all these songs and open the word and read all this, you know, all these verses about like what you were just quoting. And he knew I wasn't going to do that. He knew that it it was going to take some service, some responsibility, something to get me out of that dark hole that I was in because I didn't, I didn't want to get out. I was so confused and in my head and just wanting to basically, you know, be depressed and die because I couldn't even handle the pain. And so one of the things that I do believe now looking back on all of this is God gives us opportunities and glimpses of his faithfulness and goodness. And we have to stand on those and we have to remember those. And instead of asking like, why did you allow all these things? It's like, think of all the ways that he has probably saved us from. And that's not to diminish what we've walked through. And that's not to, you know, diminish anything that anyone else has walked through. It's just looking at things through a different lens of seeing God is just, he will make all things right. And this is not heaven. And I, I wanted it to be, I wanted Mm -hmm. everything to go right in my life, but we're in a sinful, evil, fallen world with sinners and God's not a puppet master and (laughs) he is going to make all things good and right someday, you know, when Jesus returns, but it's, that's not now. And I think I was living in that false reality, you know, that so many Christians do, I think. And we just expect everything to be health and wealth and perfect and prosperity and abundance and victory when we forget this other side of life and pain and the enemy truly being after those believers who live a life worthy of the calling. Mm, I love so much of what you're saying, Nicole. I think about, there's a quote Graham Cook says, and he says, instead of asking God why, ask him what, like ask him Mm. what or who do you want to be to me in this? And I remember Mm. I heard that for the first time, probably, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And that changed how I go through trials in my own life. Um, You know, somebody, I think it was Joyce Meyer that said, you know, instead of saying, why me, why not you? And I'm like, well, yeah. dang, you know, like right? when you like, think oh, about shoot. it, yeah, it's like, oh, okay. You know, because yeah. you're right. Like we are not innocuous to the pain of this world, even though we are believers, even though we know the Lord, it doesn't protect us from everything. But yeah. what it does do, I think, is it gives us hope that, you know, like Paul says, we don't grieve as those who don't have hope that That's we can right. actually go through things in life and not be completely devastated and That's depressed right. to the point that we can't function. Not that we put our emotions on the side and we say, oh, well, bless God, you know, that thing right. happened. But, no. you know, <laughs> yeah, it's like we go through, we we grieve, we emote, we do all the things because That's we're right. humans, you know, we're human beings. But at the end of all of that, we can say, God, I still 
trust you. Do you ever wonder what is the secret to a truly happy marriage? Maybe you find yourself looking at other couples wondering, what do they know that I don't? Well, friend, I have developed a free resource for you. It's a free audio called Seven Secrets to a Happy Marriage. These are some principles that I've learned in my own 23-year marriage that I know it's going to encourage you on your journey to having a truly happy and healthy marriage. Download your free resource today at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash seven secrets. That's realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash seven secrets. Now let's get to our show. So how long did it take you to get from that point of like tragedy to like surrender? Like, God, all right, I trust you. I don't understand why this happened, but I'm willing to keep going in my relationship with you. Yeah. I, I ended up leading that, that missions trip that following summer and the women that I met on that trip, they had been through 10 times more painful, awful, horrific things than I had. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, that's not to diminish what I have walked through, what anyone else goes through. The pain is real. The feelings are real, but sometimes it takes seeing like the bigger picture of what God is doing and how he's working in and through all of us. And I just, it, it helped to get outside of myself. And so I obviously did all the counseling, read all the books, did all the things, but it was almost like God just met me where I was in my pain and in my sadness and my questions. And even after I got back from that missions trip, that's when I shortly, shortly after I met my husband Mm -hmm. and he is the most solid. I mean, I feel like every woman says that, you know, every Christian woman says that about their husband, like, oh, he's the most solid, wonderful man of the Lord I've ever met. Mm -hmm, But it's true. Not not my listeners. They're like, nope, that's not my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Good that I'm around some real people here. Yes. yes. (laughs) Oh man. I've I've had a lot of crap in my life, but my husband is the one, like one of the things that I feel like God has used in my life to help redeem the situation. Mm. And he has, he has challenged me and he has helped me and he doesn't let me wallow and he calls me higher and like, he'll sit with me in in the pain, but it's like, no girlfriend, we got to get back up, you know? And I think that having somebody like that, who's able to meet you where you are in your pain and cry with you and let you vent and do all the things, but then doesn't let you stay there because they know the truth and they want you to you know, be made more like Christ, then that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to go for. And so having that challenger, you know, and is exactly what I needed and everybody's different. Everybody's personalities are different and needs. But for me, that was, that was huge because Mm. I mean, even now it helps when I do walk through some type of immense pain or suffering or trials, whatever it is, like he's, God has used him. I love that. You know, what I'm hearing, like I keep hearing the word community, community, community. And, you know, I'm a podcast host, marriage coach, relationship coach. But then in my other job, I'm also the online pastor at my church. And one of the things that I'm always telling our community there online is that, like, it sounds so cliche, like, don't do life alone. We're better together, (laughs) you know, and all of those things. But it's true. And what I hear, you know, it's like what I hear you saying is like, you could have wallowed and rightfully so, like nobody would have faltered 
trusted you for staying home that summer and going through basically a depression and being on your own and not really wanting to be around people and maybe even being afraid to go out. Like probably no one would have faulted you for that. But I hope that people are hearing like you, you went in the opposite stream where you felt like I can't leave this trip because I have nothing to give. I think of women and men really who are listening today who feel like I've gone through immense pain or I've been betrayed or I'm dealing with this really terrible thing in my life and I can't, I just like, you know, people are like, right. I just can't, I can't move on. I can't give anything. I can't do anything. Yeah. But the fact that you said, I'm not going to stay there. I'm actually going to do the very opposite of what I feel like doing. And I'm going to bless, minister, serve, whatever word you want to use. I'm going yeah. to prioritize somebody else's life above my own. And that's when your healing started. Yep. That is so true. I mean, I think God, I think God works in the most mysterious ways with, depending on all the, all of his people. It's like, it's so personal. It is such a personal relationship. And I don't think everyone should go on a missions trip right after trauma. Right. right. <laughs> but I do think, I do think that when you're in step with the spirit, he's just wanting a willing heart. And if that means that you need to cry all summer and go to counseling and not lead a trip, then that's what you need to do because that's a, that's your path. That's your journey. And I think that that's why it's just so important that we each have our own relationship with the Lord, but then we can, like you said, come together as a community and have those people who you can lean on, who can help support and put you in, you know, sometimes we need that gentle nudge <laughs> of, hey, you know what? This life is very difficult, but it's about that humility and the discipline and the obedience and the ongoing faithfulness. Those are so hard to live out when you are going through trials and suffering. It oh, is yeah. nearly impossible. But with Christ, he is the one that can give us that strength. And the whole goal is to be made more like him. And he's doing that because of our suffering. That's, that's, oh my goodness, you just nailed it, you know? So you go through the whole like assault, mission trip, you're healing, you meet your husband, then you get diagnosed with cancer, then you have a miscarriage. Throughout each of these kind of new traumas, if you will, did you find yourself slipping back to the hopeless place or yes. do you feel like you're, you did? Okay. So 100%. All right. Good. I Let's wish talk I could. That. I wish I could lie and just be like, "Oh no, girl, I was so holy." And, I was believing know. the Lord the whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, no. I mean, I was definitely stronger than before, but I still was just like, "You have got to be kidding me," mm. because I, I had the miscarriage, and then I found out I had cancer, and then we moved across the country ten days later, and then I had surgery the same week my husband started his, his residency. And it was just like this whole series. And so I, I couldn't even mourn the loss of the baby because I was dealing with like life or death here. Mm -hmm. I was worried, am I going to wake up? Am I going to wake up? Am, and if I do, am I going to have no voice box? Cause it was thyroid cancer. And like, wh what does this look like? What does my healing look like? Here I was super athletic, tall and lean. And now I'm like feeling like an 80 year old, you know? Yeah. So it just was, 
just so many questions in that of just like, you've got to be kidding me. That's what I asked a lot. What well, you've got to be kidding me, Lord. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then you're going through, okay, you know what? It, it is what it is. I got to fight. Like, you know, this is where I'm at. Where did the whole like finding joy and the pain come from? Like, was that just something that you felt like you had drawn on from previous times or was this a new experience through something that you learned from God in that? Like, where did that come from? I remember it was, I was healing from cancer and surgery and like all the things I was in my healing phase, like my body physically. And I heard a random pastor say something about like, God wants you to live in victory and abundance. He wants you healed. So there's a reason like why you're not basically. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. I was so, I was so frustrated because it puts it puts the pressure on you as a Christian. You're not good enough. You're not holy enough. You're not in your in the word enough. You're not this, 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 or this. But I learned 10 years prior to this that I didn't have anything to offer, and yet God still saw me in that moment. And so I knew that, that was that's not right. And it's a false joy. It's a mm-hmm. false teaching basically. And I was like, I have to start like writing this out. And as I started processing and writing, it was like, cause I've always been a journaler, but as I started processing and writing, it's like this thread of joy of understanding true joy and that assurance that God is with me, regardless of what I go through, all the highs, all the lows, I can have this firm foundation and nothing can shake me. That seemed like I wanted that. Mm-hmm. I wanted that. I mean, and it's all throughout the word. And so I was like, what is this? I need it. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And so that's when I just like started diving so much into this idea of joy and suffering and what I've been told versus what I'm living out versus what's in the word versus what is being spoken in books and in pastors and all this stuff. And I was like, I've got to find this for myself. So yeah. it, it was a long process. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, it's joy is like one of those words that has been so butchered in our culture where yeah. people think joy is happiness. That's so right. it's hard to be like, well, how can you go through something like that and be happy about it? And that's, that's not right. what you're saying at all. Like that's not the biblical definition of joy. So if you had to describe or define joy to someone, how would you define that? I first would say what happiness is. It's because that would help us to know what joy isn't because I think we just are so, like you said, we're just so quick to say that and happiness is just fleeting. It's just an emotion, you know, it's just fleeting depending on anything, you know, we can be happy one moment, mad the next moment, it just comes and goes, but joy, it stays. It has that staying power because Christ is our joy. He is our strength. He is our portion. He is our help. He is our peace. He is all of these things. And he's also our joy. And the Holy Spirit, you know, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we've got those fruits and one of them is joy. And so I can't, I can't reach for it. I can't strive for it. I can't, you know, have an experience and hope that that brings me joy. It is that we have a relationship with Christ and that is our joy. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like it's been this back and forth with me of thinking, okay, now this must be joy. 
or this must be joy because I'm happy. But then you think of in the word, it's like, are you kidding me? Do you think God would tell us to be happy in all circumstances and be happy through suffering? No, that's not God. And so it's like going back to his character of who we know him to be and who we and what we read in the word of who we are at the foot of the cross. Yeah. You know, happiness depends on our happenings, right? So it's like this external, circumstantial, dependent place that, you know, if life is going well, then I'm happy. But, you know, if my boyfriend breaks (laughs) up with me, my husband cheats on me, my bank account is drained, then I'm depressed. And you can still have joy. What I hear you saying is that you can still have joy in the midst of all of those things that are happening to you because you're solid in who you are in Christ and who you know him to be. And so it gives us like this, it's almost weirdly synonymous with like peace, you know, like we have peace, even though we might not be, we might, you can be crying and have joy. You can be grieving and and still know that like the joy of the Lord is your strength. You can still um, know who God is and appreciate what he's capable of, even if your emotions are not full of happiness and smiles and giggles. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you nailed that. That's right. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your book, Nicole. I know that you've write, you've written a book and was it kind of like, were you at the place where you were like, all right, I heard you saying you, you heard this kind of false teaching from this pastor and you're like, no, like I've got to spread the word about what real joy is. So tell us a little about your journey into writing the book and um, what was that process like for you? Because you had to revisit the trauma. Yeah. Right. Yes. I hated that part. It's, it's almost like writing was so therapeutic in a lot of ways, but then it was just so hard rehashing everything all over again in some ways. And so I, that when I was, um, when I was saying that I was writing out all this stuff about joy and wanting that and trying to figure that out, I was writing it all down in a word document. And then I sent it to one of my friends who's now my agent and she was so kind. She was like, I think you've been, you know, been through a lot. There's a lot of wisdom here, but you really need to, you know, fine tune this and da, da, da. I've never written a book before. And so I had no idea what I was doing. It was just basically just all these words and word vomit basically to her. And so then I, you know, worked on my craft and I was like, you know what, if this is supposed to happen, it'll happen. And um, a publisher actually reached out to me and said, have you ever thought of writing a book? And I said, well, I, yes, I have. And I don't, I don't know if this is for me or not, but you know, after all these years now, cause it's such a long process, but now I have this book in my hands and it is only by God's grace and faithfulness that it is here because I'm still learning. And I feel like the enemy will always be after our joy mm-hmm. and it makes us, it makes us angry moms. It makes us Un, you know, discontent. It makes us not happy in our marriage. It makes us uh, not pleasant to be around. Joy is needed in our walk with the Lord. And because it's needed and because we can live our fullest with it, the enemy's going to rob it. And I just, I think writing all of this out and processing has been so helpful for me. And I just pray it's helpful for other people. And so the book is Take Back Your Joy, Fighting for Purpose When Life is More Than You Can Handle. 
because I don't ever want to tell anybody that God will never give them more than they can handle. That's right. Because that is not the truth. Yes, that's right. Exactly. And it's like, and I know people mean well, and I know they're just trying to be kind in the moment and don't know what else to say. But I kind of just walk through all these different things that I've been through with the pain and the suffering and the trauma and how God pulled me out of each of those trenches and how we can take these steps and these disciplines with us wherever we go and be able to live that out. Yeah. I don't know if you meant to, you know, when I look at the title, take back your joy, it's like there's action there. It's something that is rightfully ours. Like joy is rightfully ours. And so when I was growing up in Sunday school, we used to sing this song, you know, don't let the devil steal your joy. Don't let the devil steal, (laughs) you know, you know that song. J O Y, you know? And so like, I think of that, like it is rightfully ours. It is, it comes with being in Christ that we get to have joy. And so when the enemy takes that from us, we can just let him have it or we could take it back. And so I love how this book is titled and I'll be sure again to link to the book in the show notes of this podcast. Nicole, this has been such a great conversation and I'm just so grateful. Every time I talk to people who, not that not to discount people who haven't been through anything of in their course, lives, but you know, when I've talked, when I talk to people who have been through like horrific trauma and they have come out on the other side, stronger, better, more resilient, wiser, like it's just a kick in the face to the enemy for everything that he tried. Everything's like, right. you tried it <laughs> devil, but you didn't win. And so and I'm just, that's what we want to do. Yeah. We diminish what the enemy has done. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This has been such a joy to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me. I have loved this. Thank you so much, Nicole, for that really incredible and inspiring conversation. You know, I love every time that I get the privilege to talk to people, like I said earlier, people who have been through things in their life, but people who are refusing to stay down. No matter what you have experienced in your life, my friend, you can get back up. Do you really believe that? I really do believe that. I was on the phone earlier with a relative of mine and she was talking about someone in her life who they just can't get back up. They're defeated and they just are staying there. And I said to her, you know what? That's their choice. They're choosing to stay down. And this is not not being compassionate. I'm compassionate, but I also know that if you decide and when you decide to get back up, friend, the sky is the limit for you. So anyway, thank you so much, Nicole, for being here today. Be sure you all that you check out her book. You can find that on Amazon, and I will link to that in the show notes of this podcast, as well as to her website, to her social media handles, and all the things. So you can find all of that at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 136. As I like to end every episode in saying, a good relationship is not one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. Let's get to work, my friends. I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode.